I'm one of those people who's always cold. And uh, right. this 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 appalls the sort of people who like to sleep in the cold. But I like to sleep with almost like a light sweat going. Uh, I, I will. I what will is? Be, yeah, is... I know. I know people people who feel the opposite think that I'm a I'm a psycho. But I if I'm cold at all, I can't sleep. I need to be under lots of blankets. I'll I'll wear like full full hoodie sweatshirt with the hood pulled up. If guess uh, my wife is someone who likes it cold, so. We have uh, and well, they, right. they have they have yet to invent the McDLT of beds that keeps the hot side hot and the cool side cool. So, uh, but everybody likes sleeping in the cold. Nobody likes sleeping hot. Well, you, you, well, you, you just do. found someone you who do. does. No, I understand that. I mean, I don't want to be freezing. Like I can't if my feet are cold, I can't sleep. I, I, I might throw socks on if uh-huh. need be. But no, if I'm sweating, that's the end of it. It's like oh, it's no, miserable. I like I, I like a light sweat. I can't even. I can sense you losing respect nothing, for me. <laughs> it's not even respect. There's just there's nothing. There's like it's like saying that you know you prefer uh, your milk curdled. You know, like it just <laughs> nobody. I, I don't think nobody. it's quite like that. I have definitely met other people who you remind me of Tobias, the never nude from Arrested Development. <laughs> there are dozens of us. Dozens. <laughs> Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. <laughs> Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, US Bets Senior Analyst, Jeff Edelstein. This week on the show, we'll talk about legislators in various states getting off their lazy asses and actually legalizing stuff. We'll talk some more about betting among NFL players, and we'll explore the question of whether can't-lose parlay is an oxymoron. Plus, we'll place some can't-lose podcast bankroll bets which is definitely an oxymoron. And we're also going to be welcoming to the show Richard Schutz, who has almost certainly forgotten more about the gambling industry in the last five minutes than I'll ever know, (laughs) and who also sounds exactly like a famous Hollywood actor. Stay tuned for that. But as first, but as first, but at first, but first, but first, (laughs) as always, plenty of news to get to. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. It has been a busy week for gambling legalization, at least on the East Coast, where we saw a flurry of action. On Wednesday, the governors in both North Carolina and Vermont signed sports betting bills into law. No surprises in either case. They were both a matter of when, not if. But sometime in 2024, both states will have statewide mobile betting. That'll bring us to about 30 jurisdictions that regulate that activity. Online casino is moving much, much slower, with only six states having legalized. But a seventh is inching closer as Rhode Island sent a pair of iGaming bills to the House floor this week. The General Assembly is in session until June 30th, so it remains to be seen if they can get this passed this year. And one other state to report on, not legalizing online casino, but working to avoid it losing its legality. In New Jersey, a 10-year agreement for iCasino that began in 2013 is about to expire, so a bill to extend it for another 10 years is winding its way through the legislature with no sign of opposition. Uh, Jeff, thoughts on our new sports betting states, our possible new iCasino state, and our possible renewed iCasino state? 
Well, first off, bravo to North Carolina and Vermont. You get the, the slow mm-hmm. clap. Mm-hmm. You did it. Congratulations. Uh, Rhode Island, sure, I'm all for more states legalizing iCasino. I, I have a few things to say about it. I'll save it for later. Um, and as far as New Jersey losing their iCasino, I mean, seriously, uh, I don't know. There's a better chance of Adriana LaServa coming back from the dead than there is for iCasino <laughs> to get whacked here in New Jersey. It's not going anywhere. It's, it's, it's a formality. It's a formality. Brutal soprano spoiler there for the many listeners who uh, haven't who haven't gotten that far yet. Yeah. <laughs> and listen, it's there's got to be a statute of limitations on spoilers. I, I think, think so. I think I think we we're OK. It. And it, yeah. honestly, if you haven't watched The Sopranos, just assume everybody gets whacked. You'll be yeah, fine. It's fair. fair. <laughs> um, yeah. The New Jersey thing, obviously, just a formality. Uh, but it, it brings up, uh, I guess, something to watch with other states and sports betting. You know, do any of them have laws that will sunset and, and need to be renewed in five years or 10 years or whatever. I don't know the answer. I'm just, uh, I'm just now finding myself asking that question. So something to, <laughs> to look into perhaps uh, quick shout out to my mom who is in Rhode Island as we speak, uh, attending her 50th high school reunion. Uh, hopefully for number 55, she will be able to play online casino games from her hotel. Uh, I'm sure that's uh, the main uh, motivation in legalizing this. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, Rhode Islanders will only have one online casino operator, just as they only have one sports betting operator. But, you know, there isn't much to be done in the way of online casino price shopping. So uh, so right. I guess that's okay. It does. I guess it limits their iCasino bonus hunting to only have one option. But, uh, but that's about it. Um, and then just uh, Vermont, North Carolina, uh, I, I second your slow clap. Uh, That'll bring us, like I said, around 30 states' jurisdictions with active mobile betting. Pretty remarkable for five years when you take yeah. a step back and think about it, especially compared to six six going on seven iCasino states in 10 years. Yeah. No, I mean, sports betting uh, seems to be something that it should be – listen, at, at, you know where I stand at this point. Yes. Like, I don't understand what any state is doing that isn't doing it. Just right. figure it out. Everyone gets a little slice of the pie. It's not that big a pie, folks. Let you know that's the other thing. Let's keep in mind, unless you you know tax the crap out of it. Right. So just you know, just let's get it done. I'm talking to you, Florida and California, Texas. I I I, I have no hope. Yeah. No. Those are those are the three main ones that we're talking to, and they'll get Come there on. eventually. Come on now. <laughs> Step it up. Well, you're seriously, di- you're disappointing, so- Jeff. Well, it's just silly. It's just silly at this point. You know, like it obviously. If 30 other 30 odd states can do it, why can't these states do it? You know, it's not that hard. But, you know, it's a process and some some states uh, are able to move quickly through it. And uh, some some are proving not to be. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, we know where this is headed. At some point, there will be like 48, 49 out of 52 jurisdictions that have it. It's just uh, when do we get. But again, all things considered, we're moving pretty quickly. Fifty to so you like DC and Puerto Rico. That's right. That's that what time. I'm counting. Yes, that was, that was good. That was two. good. Right. All right. I'm, I'm trying to be more inclusive. Good. Well, that's nice. It's <laughs> yes. 2023. Right. Uh, all right. Our second story this week explores the question of whether there's room for satire in sports betting promotions. The Massachusetts Commission held a hearing last week to discuss what Barstool Sportsbook calls Big Cats Can't Lose Parlay. Uh, Big Cat is a Barstool quote unquote personality, uh, real name Dan Katz, and the parlays he's packaging for betters to consider are obviously not of the can't-lose variety, because every bet can lose, especially parlays. According to Barstool, 
This is meant to be extra ironic because Big Cat is apparently particularly bad at sports betting. Um, In the name of responsible gambling, the commission is wondering whether can't lose should be outlawed just like risk-free has been. The attorney representing Barstool's parent company, Jonathan Albano, argued in response, quote, We respectfully submit that no reasonable person who saw a parlay with long shot odds that required a player to win not one, not two, not three, but four bets or lose the parlay would have concluded that they were engaging in a risk-free, sure-thing type of bet, end quote. He went on to say that the can't-lose parlay is, quote, a humorous, satirical reference to Mr. Dan Katz's reputation as an awful better. Whether it's humorous is, of course, a matter of opinion, but I suppose satirical can be a more objective term. Jeff, do you have a particular feeling on the can't-lose parlay terminology and on whether the Massachusetts Commission needs to chill the hell out or Barstool ought to rebrand this thing? Yeah, how about both? Massachusetts should probably chill out. I mean, just settle down, everybody. This is, uh, you know, it's clearly meant to be jokey, right? Um, and besides, these Massachusetts, I get an email. I feel like they meet like three times a day, this this, this gambling board. <laughs> yes, they meet a lot, yes. They meet a lot, so just can't, you know, just settle, just settle. And as far as like the can't lose aspect here, how about let's let's up the verbiage? Let's call it the can't lose more to lock, pick the millennium kind of thing to make it like abundantly clear that this is all a big joke. How am I not in charge of the world? <laughs> what What is the exact terminology that you use in your football column? Because you always end with a uh, more. It's something like what you just said. It's like five star yeah, mortal lock can't lose. Can't, guaranteed can't lose. You right. know, pick of the pick of the century, whatever it is. Right. I mean, I, clearly when you say that, you don't mean it unless you're like Vegas Dave or whatever. You know what I mean? But like if you're <laughs> right. if you're doing it with clearly your tongue, you know, firmly planted in your cheek, then come on, just let's. Settle down. I mean, bigger fish to fry, Massachusetts Gaming Commission. Certainly. Certainly, yes. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm with you on the, you know, let's let's not be so literal about this. Um now, you know, I agree with almost everyone that risk free is bad verbiage. And I'm glad steps have been unless taken it is. there. Right. Unless it unless it right. actually was. Right. Unless it actually is a bad And there bet. are a few, and there are a few that were, you know, that would give you your money back. Right. Right. That would qualify as risk-free, yes. Um, But yeah, I mean, can't lose parlay is obviously sarcastic. And at a certain point, it shouldn't be a commission's job or a sports book's job to cater to the absolute lowest common denominator of intelligence, which, you know, you'd have to have a very low IQ to see big cats can't lose parlay and think that you're betting on a sure thing. But yeah, kind of how you said it could be both. Is it so much trouble for Barstool to rebrand it? I mean, you could they could go extra sarcastic, like you said, and make it that much more clear. Or they could just kind of give up the fight on this and call it Big Cat's Parlay of the Day right, or something right. like that. I don't think they should have to do that. But, you know, what uh, discretion is the better, better part of valor? Does that apply here? Uh... It does, though. I really have no <laughs> idea what the hell that means. <laughs> Maybe just better safe than sorry. That definitely applies. That, that, so, yeah, does. Uh, but I, I find it all a fascinating debate. It's it's somewhat hilarious that this conversation is taking place at all. And I'm kind of torn between, you know, like applauding these Massachusetts and Ohio commissions for at least asking questions nobody else is asking and also being like, Come on, guys. <laughs> You're wasting well, I mean, everyone's time. Yeah. I mean, ever since we cured cancer and climate change and <laughs> democracy right. and all that stuff, we might as well take, you know, let's, let's tackle the little stuff here. You know, right. Yeah. Now's the time. Exactly. All right. Um, we finished the news segment with the latest in the ongoing issue of NFL players betting on sports, sometimes within the league's rules, 
sometimes not. Uh, Last Thursday, a few days after Sports Handle broke the news of an Indianapolis Colts player betting on Colts games, among other possible violations, the NFL revealed it had enlisted the recently retired Tom Brady to record a video message that all teams and players will be required to view, talking to them about why they can't bet on NFL games. A few days later, the topic of NFL players gambling rose to the surface again with Pro Football Talk's report from an anonymous league source that one NFL player lost $8 million gambling in 2022. Uh, These are, in a sense, two different subjects. For all we know, the $8 million was lost on casino games, but it's all part of the bigger picture about young men with lots of money having easy access to gambling and some of that reflecting poorly on the league or putting the players, teams, and games at risk of being compromised. Jeff, what's your reaction to that $8 million figure? And do you see a video recording from Tom Brady changing hearts and minds around the league? Yeah, I mean, the $8 million, I mean, that's objectively a lot of money. Uh, mm-hmm. as we're assuming it's the net loss, right? That's not like he just didn't drop $8 million one night and win $4 million the next, but whatever. Right. Uh, you know, so we don't know. And, you know, is it someone with a $250 million contract? You know, I mean, you know, these right. are you know questions to be answered. Right. Uh, still, though. You know, not a great look just to be for anyone to be losing money like that. Uh, as for Brady, I mean, you know, I how many times have you seen those videos in the last like 10 years of players coming up to Brady after the game saying, oh, man, you know, you're I, I loved him when I was a kid, you know, all this right. stuff. So, you know, maybe Brady as the elder statesman, you know, can get the message through because clearly the message has not been getting through. Yeah, So maybe. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's funny how he has gone from public enemy number one of the NFL front office with the deflate gate stuff, which I guess now is, what was that? A good six or seven years ago now, something like that. So it has been a little while, but, um, but how he's gone from that to the voice of the league with regard to how to conduct yourself. Um, yeah. You make a good point about how most of the players in the NFL now, like grew up watching him. Yeah. Um, so if anyone's going to influence them, it hit it, it's him. Um, I still don't know that what he says on the video will necessarily influence, but I, I, I think it will at least bring to an end any notion of player ignorance. And and that should have already been done away with. But uh, just in case anyone still doesn't know what the rules are, you know, if, if everyone is required to watch that video, it seems a valuable step toward no more oh, I didn't know the rules, which I guess was was part of uh, one of the one of the Lions players basically said that about betting at a yeah. team facility. So I think which is I think ridiculous. Uh, the rule is ridiculous. Uh, you're, you're saying right. But um, yeah. him not knowing, I think going forward now that becomes ridiculous that uh, right. if, if players don't know the rules. So I, I guess that this is useful in that sense, that between all the cases that have come out and now you must watch this video from Tom Brady, I, I think you can't really plead ignorance anymore going forward. And then the $8 million, yeah, you ask the question, if it's a guy with a $250 million contract, that looks a lot different than if it's a guy who barely has $8 million to his name, which uh, sad, sad violins, I guess, if that's you. Um, sure. But yeah, clearly, though, Responsible gambling education is uh, is every bit as important with athletes as education about the league's gambling rules. So um, I get that that to me is the bigger story here. It, somebody lost eight million dollars in a year. There are countless players losing some significant amount of money gambling, and that's okay to a point, you know. Uh, but I think sort of the I don't know one of the most important 
parts of my gambling education early in my early days as a poker journalist was doing a ghostwritten article where a poker pro was talking to me about bankroll management. And it was something I had never considered before. Uh, it sort of put in perspective the idea of if your gambling bankroll is $1,000, you should never have more than $100 of it on the line at a given time or whatever various people's percentages and rules are that, um, you know, just that educating people about bankroll management who clearly are not even beginning to think about such a thing, maybe not great for the uh, operator's bottom lines, um, but good for the sustainability of, uh, of all bankrolls and everything if people uh, start gambling percentages of what they can afford to lose rather than everything they can possibly afford to lose all at once. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. That's well said. Thank you. Uh, hopefully, yeah. uh, if I've gotten through to just one listener on that front, then uh, then it's all worth it. Well, you got through to me. So. Okay, good. <laughs> I am I am now taking all of my $8 million and, <laughs> and not gambling it tonight. Good, good. Yes, cancel that bet. Cash it out. <laughs> It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. Last time we had Richard Schuetz on the podcast, he was a friend, but not a teammate. Now he is both, as he recently started writing columns for our sister site, Sports Handle. Richard has held nearly every job imaginable in our business, from blackjack dealer to pit boss to casino president and CEO to California commissioner to industry analyst and consultant. Basically, any question you have about gambling, Richard can answer it. And he joins us now to put that theory to the test. Uh, Richard, welcome back to Gamble On. Thank you, Eric. So let me get your take on a discussion that's been going on in the industry for a couple of decades, ever since online poker first started to take root. How good or bad is online gambling for brick and mortar gambling? Have you seen evidence in some jurisdictions under some circumstances that online actually does take away from brick and mortar revenue? You know, I spent a lot of time in in in, in economics. You know, I spent two years in the master's program, five and a half year. And, and, and I became, you become something of a slave to analytics, you know, and, and one of the brilliant Latin phrases that you often use is ceteris paribus. And it, what it says is all of the things equal, you know, and, and it's just absolutely difficult to get good scientific or lab conditions of which to do those types of analyses. I was fascinated right after the launch in New Jersey, how many people were coming to the conclusion that there was no dilution, <laughs> you know, with two data points, <laughs> you, right. you know, that, that was a little bit of a rush to judgment. And, and I'm troubled by that. Look, they're fundamentally different products, you know, and I, and I preached that with regards to the regulation of it, you know, the regulation in the brick and mortar world was built purpose built <laughs> for, you know, retail casinos. Mm -hmm. They have nothing to do with the internet delivery of gaming products, you know, and 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 the fact that they're the same regulatory agency probably just has to do with the fact that they both have gaming in their name, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. You know, my girlfriend and I are going out for Bet Bash. We will have dinner. We will have a nice hotel room. We will have great entertainment. I don't even know if we'll, we'll gamble, you know. Right. Um, and that's a different product than being able to just log on to my phone right now and play a slot machine. I would guess overall that um, 
being able to offer internet products over the internet slots and, and of that sort um, probably doesn't help the brick and mortar industry at all. Um, and, and I, and I, that that's just my intuition, but there's a lot of other things that, that don't help, you know, and, and one of the con- comparisons is always Atlantic city and, and Vegas, but, but Atlantic city. And I, Remember, I entered the industry and there was only one state that had gambling at that time, and that was Nevada. So I've seen it go around and I had the opportunity to work in Atlantic City in the early 80s. You know, I worked for Mr. Wynn. There was a nine firm environment. We had a 30 or 25% share. We owned the boardwalk and, um, you know, we had Sinatra and all kinds of stuff. And it looked like Atlantic City was going to explode. They have a lot of self-inflicted wounds and they have had a lot of out external wounds, you know, Pennsylvania hurt them. Four of the five first mayors in Atlantic City being indicted probably didn't help things out too much. You know, we had to train in the early 80s, our valet parkers. Thank you for visiting the Golden Nugget. Be sure and lock your door. (laughs) There was never, we had to, you know, we, you know, because they never really did much with Bader Field. You know, we had this terrible situation where we had to rely on Philadelphia Airport to get our people in. We had to get people that could carry a gun across state lines at that time because our limos were being hijacked at stoplights. You know, we considered everything on the other side of Atlantic and Pacific Avenue, the DMC. So, so it's hard to compare those two markets. One of the interesting stories, and I'm not answering your question exactly, rambling <laughs> a bit and showing you that That's I'm quite right. old and have been around, <laughs> is that you you know Atlantic City lost Steve Wynn, and that was huge, absolutely huge. He bailed, and he was just furious trying to deal with the government and the regulators there, and he came to Vegas at that time, and I was working in Vegas at that time too, and we were offering boxes of slots. Steve Wynn redesigned and reinvented the entire industry with the Mirage as the resort destination. I mean, $79 million for a volcano, (laughs) you know, in the front of a property. We were all bean counters at that time doing how to maximize profits. Here's a visionary. He changed Vegas. He left Atlantic City pissed and Atlantic City regretted that. And all you were left with basically was bean counters, you know, which... You know, they never invested in that market. They never developed that airport. They never did a convention center. They never did anything. And this is when gambling was really growing. And so all that money was leaving. So now they're doing iGaming and they'll do just about whatever it takes. And things are not going to improve with New York coming on board. But I don't see... I mean, I don't see Vegas feeling terribly threatened by internet gaming. You you, you know, it the opportunity of going to Vegas and doing the Vegas thing versus logging on at your home during a bathroom break to play slots <laughs> is not comparable products. Right. So, so I don't know if I'm answering your question, but, um, you, you know, I think the dilution was, was really, I think a lot of time was spent on that. The other thing that's important to understand is I went through all these legal battles back when Atlantic City was talking about it, and they talked about what is the public policy of the government. Mm-hmm. Well, in Atlantic City, they wanted to say, save a dying resort community. They wanted to increase tourism. They wanted to increase employment. You, you know, you have a whole bunch of goals, 
And so when you say, is it good or bad, according to which of those goals, there is since the launch of internet gambling, there's about 6,000 fewer employees in the hotel segment, hotel casino segment in Atlantic City than there were when iGaming launched. Um, you, you know, whether there's a connection there, I not, it, that's not a good sign. And so a lot of the goals that you have is internet probably doesn't increase tourism unless you have a situation like that you used to see up in New York City with everybody running around, um, you, you know, to get down on sports um, right. and things like that. But once New York legalized, it was it was a lot of that traffic was over, although there was some price shopping, I'm sure, of going across the border. But I, I guess, you know, I just think they're totally different products by and large. And, and, and um, you know, Vegas is going to be Vegas for a long time, you, you know, and and I don't think they're overly worried about iGaming. And, um, you know, I don't think they're competing products. If you have a crummy product out there, you should probably worry about it, you know, a, a bit, you know. Right. Okay. I don't know if that answers your question. I, it, it did a, a, a bit of dancing on the periphery around the question and a bit of answering the question, <laughs> but all, all valuable insights. So uh, thank you for right. that. <laughs> Listen, before I ask you my question, Richard, I, 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 maybe I'm going to be a lone ranger on this here, but my God, you sound exactly like Jeff Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting. I, I don't... Now that I've said it, yeah, I'd like everyone to it. listen. Wow! I like no one's ever listen. told me that before. So I love I love a good celebrity sound alike identification. That's a good one, Jeff. I, I, got, I hear it. I definitely hear it. Especially when got an air, I can diversify into, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it really comes out on the word products. So listen, listen. Let, let's okay. see if we can get him to say it again. You know, it'll be a surprise. Uh, Richard, let me ask you this: on the sports betting side, what what surprised you? Or what, ha- what you know, any surprises in your view since uh, PASPA was repealed on, when it comes to the, you know, online sports betting industry? Yeah, the speed of it. <laughs> you know, I was amazed. I mean, I was just flabbergasted. You know, I had a background in sports. I had, I, I mean, I cut my teeth in sports betting in Vegas. I worked for a used property and we installed a sports book. And, and if you ever want to learn the sports betting business in a hurry, you know, make the decision. I was the executive vice president of a casino and we installed the sports book, you know. Um, I had a keynote guy, Lenny Del Genio. He, he, he became my sports book manager and then Bob Gregorka, both those guys kind of became somewhat known within the Las Vegas community. And, and we were just making it up, man. We had no <laughs> idea. We had Roxy helping us. And then I just thought we had such weak talent. I hired Sonny Reisner, you know, out of the old hole in the wall book, you know, and who's something about Vegas. So that's how I got my taste. And and then I ended up going to work for a mob joint. You know, the, the Stardust was up the street and they hired me and they'd thrown the mob guys out. And, and, and I'll say this about the mob guys. They knew how to run a joint and they really knew how to run a sports <laughs> board, you know? And, and um, so I ended up in the middle of that, and I ended up with Scott Shetler as my as my manager, who's a, become a dear friend and whatnot. And and so I really had a taste of the sports betting. I mean, we took bets and briefcases. I've always told the story that we had eleven payphones on the outside wall of that building, and they were the eleven highest revenue producing payphones. <laughs> you know, and a lot of those numbers started with one. <laughs> you understand how payphones work, you know, but I mean, it was, it was just unbelievable. And so, so I felt I knew betting. I thought betting would be a big deal. 
I wasn't wholly prepared for internet betting. You know, I, I was a, a sports book in a casino is a valuable tool for the casino. I mean, the sports book, we, the energy of the stardust was generated in the book and it affected all operating departments. And I don't think guys have figured that out yet other than Derek Stevens and some of those guys at Circa have got that, you, you know, they see that as the engine for the whole property. Um, but what did I think? I thought we'd limp into it. I thought they'd want to get comfortable with how, how it's regulated and stuff like that. I thought they would um, really go into it, some in-depth um, background investigations of um, the people that were bringing these products to us, especially from overseas. Uh, and I was just wrong. I couldn't have been more wrong. You, you, you know, it became just a cash rush. And, and I think it's... Um, I think we're seeing, I, I think November 22nd kind of was the date that things started changing from this mad dash of getting open with people that had no earthly idea what they were doing as regulators. There was a shortage of people that knew what they were doing in the booking business and, and, and on and on and on and massive amounts of cash being thrown about. And that was the date the New York Times articles came out, you, you know, and started pointing out. There may be some flaws there, and and and, I, and it seems like that date changed things. You know, all of a sudden, you know, what are we doing with our college kids? <laughs> you, you know, you know, which I think is a very good question to ask. You know, especially those under twenty one and our athletes. And in those areas, we were just totally unprepared. You, you know, just didn't have the problem gambling and the integrity. None of that was was done. It was like we'd catch that up on the fly. So. I guess my main observation has been it really went quickly. I don't think we had the regulatory assets we needed in place. I think the politicians were driving the train. I would, you know, you'd hear these hearings and these regulators, I mean, the, the politicians would come out and say, we're going to be open by Super Bowl. And 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 that's not the right answer, in my opinion. The, the right answer was we'll be ready when the regulatory assets are ready, you, you, you know, and so... I would have much preferred to see a much slower rollout and, and whatnot, but, but it is what it is, you know, and uh, I, I think it's, and, and I think we got a, a mess to clean up in certain areas, I think. And you have to worry about a backlash, you, you know, um, I live in Pennsylvania and I, and I try and explain this to my friends in Las Vegas who didn't understand the advertising blitz, you, you know, I mean, it was just incessant, mm -hmm. Um on the TV, getting your car, I mean, on the billboards, everywhere. And, and and it just, it just became overwhelming, you, you know, and I think that tired a lot of people out. And I think that developed some pretty bad attitudes among people. And I, and I think so now when a newspaper comes out and says something bad about the industry, I think there's a tendency to believe it, <laughs> Yeah, you, you know, to answer your question, I think we tried it too fast, too much. I think the politicians really found a space they could monetize. And, and I think that's more and more what politicians are about, not what's best for the public, but what's best for their pocketbook or their campaign chest and stuff like that. And, and it was just a rush. I mean, we've gone a couple hundred years without it. I don't know why. It <laughs> Massachusetts, they came out and it, some guy said it'd be open in two weeks. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. <laughs> Right. It was like August and they were saying we'll be up and running for football season, something like yeah. that. Yeah, it was just so. So that's what I'm disappointed in, because it's um, I mean, I agree. Sports betting should be out there. You know, I mean, 
and, and I think the internet delivery is the one sport that is perfect or the one game that's perfect for internet applications because it's 24 seven and you know, it's, I mean, you can play a slot when you can play a slot, but I mean, sports, you don't want to sit in a casino all your life so you can get on the next play or in game right. and all that stuff. But I, I think the rollout's been a little reckless. I think we've overrun the regulators, and I think the politicians have, have taken too big a, a a role in it for their own selfish interest. Yep. Jeff, you have uh, semi ruined this interview for me. I'm like 90, <laughs> I'm 90% paying attention to what Richard is saying and 10% thinking about Jeff Bridges now every time he talks. <laughs> All right, well let, let's let's maybe we should just ask him to say something and then we could be done with it. Can you how about this Richard? Can you say uh, it really tied the room together, man? <laughs> that was one of my favorite favorite movies. I thought that was just so brilliant, you know. Uh, but he's not taking the bait, Jeff. He's not, not taking the bait. The line reading you want. Oh, well. I may uh, surprise you. All right, maybe at the end, when before we sign off, we'll talk about the rug tying the room together. Uh, so, um, I, I know from reading you over the years and following you on Twitter that you are an advocate for smoke-free casinos. Where do you set the odds that in say? five years, all U.S. casinos are smoke-free? And, and what's it going to take to to tip the scales and make something like that happen? You know, I don't know the answer to that. I, I would think just about everybody will be smoke-free other than Nevada in, in five years. I think Atlantic City's, <laughs> they're, they're trying to hold back the, the wall now. I mean, that's one of those funny situations where they have the votes, but they won't call a vote, you, you know, and that gets dirty and, and, and whatnot. I, um, you know, there's a number of different, look, I dealt, <laughs> you know, I, I dealt and I sat at a blackjack game with five people. They had a little box that had cigarettes on the game and they had five people smoking, blowing smoke at me and stuff like that. Mm. You know, and if you believe in workplace safety, that's nonsense, you, you know, no industry is worth damaging the health of both your customers and your employees. I, I just don't believe that. How the regulators go along with this, I will never know. You know, we shut down the casinos because of health hazards with regards to the pandemic, and now they're up again. So it's okay if you kill them slowly, <laughs> you know, but you're not allowed to kill them fast. You know, I, I think it's short-sighted. Uh, 63% of millennials don't want smoking. And so where's that new market coming from? You, you, you know, if you turn those folks off, they'll stay with the internet. And and that's a, a problem. You know, they lie. You, you know, when they say they have smoking and non-smoking sections, that's been found not to work, you know? And, and so you damage people's health. And, you, you, you know, no one has the right to do that to their employees. You, you know, I just, just, I think it's just morally wrong. And it all comes down to what they believe is more profitable, you know. And I mean, I taught and was in the casinos in Macau. You got to see those places, you know. I mean, they look like they're on fire, and <laughs> you know. But so, so, so know, is so is the key kind of tilting the scales on the argument that that it's more profitable if you allow smoking? Because I mean, that seems a pretty <clears throat> Not not a position that anyone has able to really has been able to really prove that uh, if if we ban smoking, everyone's going to go across the border to the states that allow it. That, that we need to need to swing the 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 sentiment on that theory. 
Well, there there was some background on that in Colorado. They they eliminated smoking from their casinos and they suffered about a twenty percent immediate decline in in revenues. Of which case, it was replaced and they adjusted. It was just like the bars. I remember in, in California when they took the bars out. I flew on the last smoking flight of Delta. <laughs> you, you, you know. And uh, I smoked at the time, and and it left Las Vegas to Louisiana two minutes to midnight, and so it was a it could be a smoking <laughs> flight, and 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 I told the woman at the counter, I said I'll, I'll be able to tell my grandkids that I smoked on the last smoking flight that Delta had, and she says not if you keep smoking, you won't be grandkids <laughs> anything, you know. But but I mean, smoking on planes and stuff. I mean that that's just barbaric when you think about it, you know. And and it's going to be barbaric. There's a lot of touch points. One, and this is part of the point, is if you do comorbidity studies, and comorbidity studies are where you find out that addictions exist with other addictions. You find out that over fifty percent of the problem gamblers smoke, and so that's what this is about. You know, and and when you so so there is some analytic evidence to suggest that problem gamblers smoke more, and so when you throw out a okay to smoke here, you're throwing out a welcome mat for smokers, and 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 for those people that say we care about problem gambling, i.e. the American Gaming Association, yet will not entertain any discussion about smoking, it's kind of disingenuous, you, you, you know. You see now where a lot of Vegas is being bought by REITs and stuff like that. They are subject to different pressures in terms of ESG types of things than our other firms. Um, you know, they um, like in California, you know, we had when I was up there, we had a huge fund, California, uh, you know, their retirement funds and stuff like that. And they, they just say we won't lend uh, money to businesses that you know do certain things you know and i think there's going to be more pressure on that with smoking i mean it's such an old throwback to a sin industry so i see a lot of pressure on it i see a lot of the science being proven to be nonsense this smoking section i think there should be more pressure by the regulators you know the regulators aren't there to support the industry the regulators are there to support the people and that includes their own employees you, you know and sometimes i think they get confused on that point so i just think it's more people talking about it more pressure and and whatnot and, and again millennials don't like it so where's your new market coming from so let me, let me ask you this also you've you've done uh you've done it all in this industry um you know, and right now in, in the sports book, online sports book wars, you know, DraftKings, well, FanDuel and DraftKings have kind of soared to like the top positions and, you know, BetMGM's, you know, some some distance behind. But, you know, the, if you take those three and then add in Caesars and Barstool, I mean, that's like over 90, you know, 90 percent of the market when it comes to handle. A lot of a lot of struggling sports books is what I'm what I'm driving at. So let's say tomorrow you were handed the keys to a brand new online sports book. You're going to go live in 30 states. You've seen five years of what works, what doesn't work, what should, what shouldn't be. What are you doing to to gain market share? What, so, you know, I guess another way to phrase this is what's a, what should some of these struggling sports books do in an effort to uh, write their own ships? I, I, I'll tell you, 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 I mean, there's no fool like an old fool. <laughs> and there's, there's probably a reason I'm not now managing a sports book because I'd be terrible at it, you know. But, yeah, yeah you know, look, I, I – 
at some level at the end of the day, and you will understand this as you get older, is is it kind of matters not only what you did, but how you did it, you know, and 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 I think what I would like to do is I would like to open a legitimate book, not a soft book. You know, I, I just find that whole thing short-sighted and and appalling. And and I would just try, I'd probably grab the people from Circa, you know, who know the bookmaking business, not the let's identify our winners and make sure they can't get down with us and figure out our stiffs and just hammer them with promotions all day long until we break them. That that model is not attractive to me, it, it, and and so, and then I would shift those communication dollars or advertising dollars. Is how does this business work? You know, I mean, get the Captain Jacks and the Spankies of the world to talk about closing line value and what's the the you know what's the value of of, of points yet to educate your market because I think an educated market is one that's going to be sustainable. I think this notion of of just pounding the daylights out of the you know, eliminating the smart guys and embracing the dumb is, is, I don't know. It's, it's just not a, it's not a model I would want to have my name associated with. And I'm not sure it's a sustainable model, but I, there's no way of proving that obviously, but I think a legitimate book can make money. Yeah. You know, I just do, you know, I've seen one make money. I mean, <laughs> you know, I see these old, you know, I see these holes and it's, like when we'd get through a three and a half percent hold, we'd be dancing at the start. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But let me tell you the volume number we had, you know, I mean, it was, you know, it was just off the charts. You right. Know, we took a huge amount of money. And and when that volume gets totally crazy, it's hard to lose even on the straight up. That's because you got so much props and stuff, you know, right. there's just a lot surrounding it. But I think you can make money in a legitimate way and being honest with the customers and educate the, the customers on, on how this all works and what's a good bet and what's a bad bet and, and, and probably have a sustainable model. But that just may be an old fool talking. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I'd like to, I, I, you know, I mean, I, I want to see Circa succeed and come to New Jersey. You know, I, you know, I think because like New Jersey is a great example, right? We have all these books. But there's, you know, some are better than others, but there, you know, there's not, I'd like to see what kind of pressure a, a, a real book would put on the softer books, you know, in, in a mature market. There's no way to know yet. Well, I'll tell you, circus, uh, circus are doing well in Vegas, you know, and, and, and that's not a soft spot. <laughs> no, sure. <laughs> you know, um, and especially they've gone out of their way to make it awkward, Um you, you know, you, I mean, if I go in and stay at Caesars, I can't. And I want to get uh, have an online account with Circa. I have to go down there. Right. You, you know, I mean, that's just insane. I mean, I can get a bank account. Right. <laughs> I can get a betting account, you know. But that's just to punish the Circas of the world, I think, you know, by the big operators. But, but you know, I, I just... I don't know. That's the way I learned the business. And, 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 you know, I just, I mean, if I was going to, if I wanted to take advantage of someone, I'd probably <laughs> make another business. <laughs> I I just think that um, you can run a legitimate book and make money of it and, and have customers that respect and appreciate you and have brand loyalty, but we'll see. No, one, <laughs> no one's tried that model other than <laughs> these, these real, 
kind of micro stories in in Nevada and whatnot. But sure. yeah, you know, I would love to see that circuit product um, you know, continue to expand, you know. Yep. Same here. Sure. Not plus those guys are just you know, they answer your questions, they explain stuff to you. They do. I and, and as a journalist, I've yet to reach out to Circa and not get a, a call back or an email back within, you know, an hour or so. Is this, you know, as a journalist, that's that's good living right there. I wrote a story about Jeff, you know, I was at Jensen. I was so impressed with him, you know. I, I wrote a story about him. I, I you know, and it was just I just I admired him, you know. I mean, here's a guy that wrote wrote race tickets for I think 12 years or something, you know. And and that's kind of the circumentality. Those folks know the business, you know. Yeah. They it's know. all it's just a shame Jeff doesn't speak his mind, you know. All... <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's he's uh Jeff's a good guy. I've tried to introduce him to the university there, you know, the people at UNLV just yeah. I know they he would help their program, I think, you know, yep. because not a lot of people understand betting, you know, and, and you know, a lot of people that are talking about betting now, I, I just find it amazing that you have people that have never worked behind a betting counter or regulated betting or experts and consultants and lectures on betting. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. It's just our new world. You, know? <laughs> you really see that in the regulators. You know, I, I just kind of did it. I did an article about bet bad trying to talk some regulators and going there and, and which you'd think they'd want to go. I mean, it's that point of they go to the industry represented conferences. Why wouldn't you go to a player? You, you know, I mean, you probably represent a lot players more as much as the industry, right. you know, and well, you'd learn a lot more there and, and, um, but it's just not the way it works, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I mean, you become a regulator now, and, and and if your state wants to regulate, you borrow someone's rules and appoint five politicians to oversee it, and they <laughs> muddle their way through it. <laughs> Just crazy. And they've got these people telling them, you know, ex-politicians or, quote, these 90-day wonder consultants telling them how it all works. And I don't know. Strange system. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Great stuff. Well, uh, always uh, great to get your insights, Richard. If our listeners want to uh, uh, not actually be able to hear your Jeff Bridges-like voice, but read your words, <laughs> at least they can uh, read you on Sports Handle a couple of times a month. Uh, they can follow you on Twitter at Schuetz Inc. That's uh, S-C-H-U-E-T-Z-I-N-C. And uh, last chance before you go, can you tell us uh, that, that rug really tied the room together, man? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to save that. I'm going to save that. Sure. Smart smart move. Get us to invite you back. But, yeah. uh, but, you, know, but yeah, I, uh, you promise to do it next time. A, a dear friend of mine who's now running a casino in Vegas, and, and she tried to describe me many years ago. This was when I was an executive in Vegas. And she said, I was trying to explain you to someone um, and and all I did is I suggested to them that you had apparently smoked a lot of dope when you were. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, that may or may not be true. I do, for my own record, want to go down. I'm 23 years sober. <laughs> but you know, there may have been something to her suggestion. Man, <laughs> man, yeah, just give us a man at least. Yeah. You know that that when they when they had to get the coffee can put his ass. I just thought that was that was such a good movie.
<laughs> and and you were great in it, Richard. Yes, fantastic. <laughs> Tour de force. Two men. Two men. Ten thousand dollars. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. Let's update our betting bankroll, and I am pleased to report we are coming off our third winning week in a row. Uh, one more, and we both quit our jobs and go pro. That probably wouldn't line up very well with the responsible gambling stuff no. I was talking no. about prior to the interview. But uh, So first, a few futures bets got graded. Uh, we had Jokic to win finals MVP. We bet that while the Eastern Conference finals were still going on. Got a nice price, won $100. We split our French Open bets. We won $105 on Iga Sviantek, but uh, Alcaraz cramped up against Djokovic and cost us $100. The fake podcast sports book did not issue a bad beat refund. So uh, overall, we won uh, $5 on the tennis. I split my other two bets from last week. My boxing bet on Josh Taylor was not sharp. Uh, it lost us $100. But under 26.5 points from Jimmy Butler was a winner. He had 25 with like seven minutes left and then didn't score again. So we escaped with a $100 profit there. Your bets on Reed Detmer's strikeouts were profitable. He won us $122 with over six and a half strikeouts. He did not get up to 10 strikeouts, however, so we gave back $20 there. You had a few baseball same-game parlays for $50, $50, and $20. None of them won. None of them came all that close. It's not worth going over all the details. And, uh... I think we need to come up with a new horse betting strategy next year. Uh, Hit Show did not win the Belmont. That Red, but Red bucks. Route One. That was my second choice. I would, <laughs> and, and 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 because we're both near Route One, I thought I, I and I went with Hit Show because we both like TV and stuff. I should have gone Red Route One. My Wait, friend did. Red he, Red Route One didn't win, did it? I thought I it was it did. no. It was the it was a one word name? Arca oh. something. Oh, did Red Route One finish second? Maybe. <laughs> Look at us. Well. <laughs> Armed, fair, armed with none of the facts. I was hanging out at the pool on Sunday, and I may have had four to six beers when all this was happening. So <laughs> okay. you'll forgive me. Okay. The The bottom line is some horse won that race, and we can say Drink that definitively. Drink responsibly, people. That's the other bottom line. <laughs> uh, add it all up, and we won $37 for the week, so we're now Yay! down by $2,273. Uh, we also have $1,187 on hold and futures bets. That leaves us with $6,540 available to bet with this week, and you're up first, Jeff. All right. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of hedging here because I got Cam Whitmore to go number five for for 100 bucks at plus 440. He's down to plus 115. So I like it, but I'm hearing, you know, the the, the rumor machine's bubbling. So I want to put another, I want to put $50 on Jarace. I think I'm pronouncing it right. Jarace or Jarace Walker at Uh plus plus 410. Okay. To win, t- so we'll get two hundred five back to, on that. To go, to go fifth in the NBA to go draft. fifth. Yep, uh-huh. and then I want to put thirty bucks on Taylor Hendricks at plus nineteen hundred. That'll get us back five seventy if that happens. But uh, just a little bit of a hedge. I'm 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 confident Whitmore, but I, I'm you know I'll, I'd be satisfied if Whitmore goes and and I lose the eighty dollars on the hedge right. just to cover my bases. I'm very happy there. Okay, I, good job, Jeff. Thank you. That's right. Thank very you. very responsible of you to yeah. hedge like that. Thank you. <laughs> Um, all right. So uh, I'm not a golf guy, but uh, but golf experts were all over my podcast feed this week. And one name kept popping up as a value play to win the U.S. Open, a guy everyone seemed to like. I've heard the name before. Couldn't pick him out of a lineup, but so be it. Uh, the golf sharp world seems to be coalescing around Victor Hovland to win the tournament. 
one of those picks who isn't in the very top tier of short money favorites, but he's in that next group. He's at 16 to 1, 17, 17 to 1, and then the best I found was 18 to 1, so obviously we'll take that price. A little $40 bet to win $720 if Hovland wins. Uh, credit for that pick goes to Assorted Golf Podcast that I did not fall asleep listening to. <laughs> um, credit for my other U.S. Open bet here goes to Bennett Conlon's preview on Sports Handle, which included this play from our friend uh, Derek Farnsworth. Uh, at FanDuel, they let you parlay together multiple players and their finishing positions. And uh, Derek Farnsworth recommended Cam Smith, Tony Finau, Ricky Fowler, and Adam Scott all to finish in the top 40 at plus 662. I've heard of all four of these golfers. That's a nice start. Uh, the bet seems like a fun sweat, especially as the cut is approaching. You obviously need to, all four to make the cut. So uh, let's go $50 to win $331 on that parlay. I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, this is my second bet. It's another another couple things going on in this bet here. So Michael Taylor today against uh, Matthew Boyd. Taylor eats lefties. Boyd can't keep the ball on the ground. We're going for the dinger here. Michael Taylor home run call plus six hundred fifty bucks for a three hundred dollar win. But wait, there's more. Marcelo Zuna going up against Kyle Freeland in Atlanta. Rinse repeat what I just said above. Except it's a plus four hundred, so we're gonna go fifty dollars there. Okay. And yeah, of course we're gonna match these two together <laughs> at for twenty bucks at plus thirty four hundred to win six eighty. So we're we're going for it today, pal. All right, I'm I'm feeling it. I I will go almost as far as to say this is a can't miss parlay. <laughs> Don't uh, where I do not endorse that sentiment. It can miss. It can miss. That there was an asterisk after the can't. <laughs> right. <laughs> parentheses can right yes exactly all right <laughs> um all right i've been uh, very inconsistent with my boxing bets uh but we're, we're gonna try again um by the way you, you may recall i bet terrence crawford over errol spence a few weeks ago just before that fight was announced and we got crawford at minus 112 and now he's minus 128 so you know gamble on moved markets clearly uh this weekend in australia Tim Zhu, he of the uh, last name spelling pronunciation that you enjoy. Uh, Tim Zhu takes what is essentially a stay busy fight as he waits for his title shot against Jermel Charlo. He meets Carlos Acampo. I fully expect Zhu to win this fight by knockout without too much of a struggle. It's largely a matter of how many rounds of work he wants to get in. I could easily see it ending in four or five rounds. He may take his time. If I had to set the line for how long this fight will go... I would have set it at six and a half rounds. The sports books have it at eight and a half. So uh, let's pounce on that and go under eight and a half rounds. It's just minus 105 at points bet. We bet $105 to win 100. And uh, that is, you can tell, there's a clear difference between my boxing analysis and my golf analysis. I am almost able to make it sound like I know what I'm talking about with my own picks. Well, now, speaking of knowing what you're talking about, mm -hmm. um, I think I'd like to stay on brand here for my final bet. Okay. Uh, a a four-team uh, combined CFL slash USFL <laughs> Moneyline Parlay. <laughs> Love it. The BC Lions over the Edmonton Elks, obviously. obviously. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, mm -hmm. duh. The New Jersey Generals over the Pittsburgh Maulers, of course. And mm -hmm. the Philadelphia Stars over the Michigan Panthers. That's $100 at plus... Uh, 485, and uh, that's that. And I am going to note today that if we're three for three heading into Sunday night's uh, winner go home game in the Stars and Panthers battle, mm -hmm. I reserve the right to hedge. Okay, 
All right. So so a, a hedge that you would like send me privately via message will be included in the bankroll if uh, if it gets that far. Or, or, or that you'll post about on Twitter or something. Or if you think we need to do an emergency podcast for it, you know, just let me know. <laughs> I, I'm just like imagining the number of downloads we'll get for an emergency podcast <laughs> before the Stars game. But just four, plus 485 for four teams. Are they all? Uh, they're all favorites. They're all well, favorites. They're, no, they're all favorites except the Stars Panthers is a uh, it's pick 'em. It's a pick 'em. All right. But yeah, no, yeah, the odds aren't great, but I, I mean, I, I. I do kind of follow both these leagues, and I really do like all, the first three a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And then you know the, the last is a pick. But the stars are just, the stars are a better team. I think they should be given a few points. I don't know, whatever. It's a money four money line favorites. How does that ever fail? I don't think so. <laughs> Can't lose. I believe is the term you're looking I, for. I think I think that is the term. Yeah. Yes. Uh, for my last bet, uh, I was thinking about doing a, a same game parlay on a baseball game today, but uh, instead I'm I'm just going with a single leg. Uh, with America's team, the Oakland A's. Um, they just had their seven-game winning streak snapped yesterday against Tampa Bay. Boy, you could have made a lot of money betting the A's on the money line during that winning streak. Mm. They were like plus 200 or more underdogs almost every game. We're going to make a little money now, betting on them to start a new streak. They're at home. It's a solid pitching matchup for them. Uh, Taj Bradley for the Rays has been struggling lately, giving up four runs while lasting four or fewer innings in two of his last four starts. Whereas Paul Blackburn for the A's coming off a nice six inning scoreless outing over the weekend. We can get the A's as high as plus 180. This ragtag group of players got a little taste of winning and and, and they're not going to just pack it in because the streak is over. They're going to keep trying. I think they're a nice live dog this afternoon against the Rays and, uh, if all that logic doesn't sway you, how about these two words? Why not? So uh, $100 to win 180 A's over Rays. Delightful. Delightful. All right. And that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to this week's guest, Jeff Bridges. I mean, uh, Richard Schutz. Uh, that interview really tied the podcast together, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein and follow us bets at us underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on megaphone, Apple podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff, please take us out. You know, I've written about this in the Rhode Island. I casino news had me thinking again. So yeah, I'll mention it here. Uh, I really think that the, the casino operators need to get together now and figure out how to get a better handle on iCasino before the politicians wake up and decide that this is going to be their new plaything. Um, you know, there are slots. You know, I'm in New Jersey. I'm in a casino state. There are slots that you could spin for four thousand dollars a spin in New Jersey. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I I know that when you go to a real live casino, there's big money slots, right? But we also know the experience is different. Uh, you know, playing for $4,000 a spin in your underpants at 3 a.m. is just not a good idea. You know, in that now famous white paper out of the U.K., they recommend that no more than like 20 bucks a spin or so for everybody, right? Right. Now, I don't know if we need to go that far, but maybe. And, you know, you know, alert, alert, modest proposal time here. Mm. If people want to wager stupid money on casino games, maybe the operator should do a check on the person's financials and or their state of mind. You know, in other words, if you want to bet like a lunatic, let's make sure you're not actually a lunatic. And if that means that people, you know, will have to go offshore to wager thousands of dollars at a time on Larry's Lobster Mania, then that's not really our problem as a legalized entity. We did what we could do here. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, maybe just a little, you know, check in on some of these like casino players, because like, I I, listen, I I love America, you know, liberal this and, you know, libertarian that. But 
are, do we not think that politicians are going to find out about this at some point and like you know raise all kinds of hell? So in the meantime, and with the utmost of responsibility, everyone please continue to gamble on. <laughs>